You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On this episode, which is being dropped on Friday, the 13th of March, 2020, we have on D.C. Lundberg from Locked On Mariners. Guess what we'll be talking about? No, seriously, guess. This Friday the 13th episode is available on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available on all the platforms where you get your podcasts and on the website, which is LockedOnMLB.com. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. You want Mariners? DC's got you covered with Locked On Mariners. Stacey Gatsulu's got Locked On Yankees. Gabrielle from Grow the Game is taking care of Red Sox, Locked On Red Sox. So we got all your teams. You like the Brewers? Ben Larson's got it. Locked On Brewers. I think you're detecting a pattern here. So, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at LockedOnMLB underscore net. We're at LockedOnMLB on Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on the Instagram. So, as we're here on this creepy Friday the 13th with all sorts of big news, sports news, and other stuff going on, I figured, why not bring in D.C. Lundberg from Locked On Mariners? I've been on your show Welcome to this show, and I'm really happy to have you aboard. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, look at obviously the news is coming around that the season is being pushed back at least a few weeks. I think that's an absolute no-brainer. Uh, we can't, you know, just we don't know what's happening yet, and we don't want to have the absolute fiasco that's been happening in like the NBA and all this. And you know, it just makes sense. And until we know what's happening, maybe not have tens of thousands of people shoved together in <laughs> passing beers up and down an aisle. So, <laughs> yeah, clap um, in on it while you can. Yes. Yeah, the Mariners were the first team that really became affected in a way because the governor in Washington made it so you couldn't have large gatherings. So they were trying to figure out what to do with the Mariners' home opener. But yeah, they just. Let's just put the the brakes on all of it right now till we till things hopefully calm down. Right. Yeah. They were thinking about maybe starting the season in Arizona, where the Mariners train and where the Rangers also train. They were going to be the Mariners' opponent because of the um, edict that Governor Inslee issued for the counties, yeah. Kingston, Homish, Pierce County, not my part of the state, but the but but uh, the west where everybody else lives in Seattle area. Um, but now that's gone by the wayside, and the whole season's going to be delayed by a couple of weeks, according to Commissioner Manfred. Yeah, I mean, that was to me, I talked about that on the Thursday podcast. And it was a no brainer, especially, and I actually recorded the Thursday podcast before the suspension of the NBA and the National Hockey League. So it just, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it, it may, it, it can't hurt to say, you know what, until we know what's going on here, let's let's ease up on the big gatherings of people, but also let's not have the fiasco of playing in empty stadiums or spring training parks or stuff like that, which will just make everything seem dumb. I know the Astros are dying to have these games played in front of nobody and, and small crowds, but (laughs) 
Sorry, folks at Locked On Astros who really hate it when people bring this stuff up. But what are you going to do? Exactly. But, <clears throat> so, but let's uh, let's do our best to talk a little baseball. I mean, assuming the season is going to start some at least sometime in mid to late April, and we'll see what happens with the schedule and everything like that. The Mariners have the longest postseason drought of any team in Major League Baseball. Their last trip to the postseason was the the great regular season team of 2001. Mm-hmm. And while they've had some decent years since then, they have yet to even make it as a wildcard team and have and missed an entire decade and almost the, the better part of two decades. So yes. I'm not rubbing that in. I'm just saying what do we have as we turn the page and begin a new decade? What can we expect from this Mariners team? From this particular Mariners team, they're in a rebuilding phase, so it's going to be a complete two decades, 20 years exactly, <laughs> since the last uh, playoff run, I think, which is 2001, like you said. 2002, they almost made it, but they were just edged out of the American League West by the Oakland A's. But this particular Mariners team, they've got a lot of young kids, a lot of prospects that the Mariners, that they have acquired in trades last offseason, November 2019, that are going to continue to grow and develop at the major league level, and then some at the lower levels of, as well that will be ready next year, the, the year after, and so forth. What are some of the names we should be expecting in Seattle in over the next few years? One player in particular that I liked last season, but he faded down the stretch, and he's had a very good spring this year, is J.P. Crawford, the shortstop. Right. He started off hitting, I believe, in the 270s, 280s last year, and then just completely fell off the map. He gained 20 pounds of muscle weight this year. The Mariners were kind of on him to get stronger and more durable so he would last the whole season. And he is, and he's done that, and he is just fun to watch play shortstop. He's a gifted athlete, lots of range, and the glove is improving. Well, remember last year, I know you remember this, but for people out there, remember that the Mariners began the season – playing in Tokyo and, and where they got to have a uh, a cameo by Ichiro Suzuki yes. in, in those final two games. And they were a pair of pretty close games that they the, they won both of them against Oakland, including a 12-inning game, in which was the final game of Ichiro's career. Yes, it was. And the Mariners came out of the gate 13-2 and two, and... I said, look, it, there's never the wrong time of the year to go 13-2. and two. It's always a nice time to go 13-2. and two, But, of course, what any hope of it being, oh, my God, the Mariners, are are they for real? Are they for real? And the answer was no, because they went 55-92 and 92 the rest of the way. Yes. So that early blast, which is partially egged on by the fact that they played the two games in Tokyo and they also played the Red Sox who got off to a horrific start last year. Correct. And they, they caught the, a couple teams like the White Sox and the Royals who were not very good teams, but that mirage, notwithstanding, do you see that some of these players that you have on this team going into this year would be able to improve upon the 94 lost season that they had last year? Well, considering that they did get off to such a hot start last season, and that was really propelled by some of the veterans that they had on the team at the time who were then traded throughout the course of the season, I'm not sure. I kind of expect their win-loss record to maybe be about the same as it was last year, quite honestly. 
Right. Well, they they have a good a good name to mention along those lines is Edwin Encarnacion, who yes. hit many home hit twenty one home runs uh, in the course of the season and was traded Jay Bruce to, too. Yeah, and Jay Bruce. I mean, these are two people who produce and and produced the. Uh, you know, for a lot of power for the team that was both of them were traded off and Felix Hernandez, who did not have a very good year last year. He did, but he's he, having a great camp and he's having a great spring and Braves camp though this year. And I, I would be thrilled to see him be able to extend his major league career. Yeah. You're this is, this is so it's so wild because the Mariners have one of the strangest histories in major league baseball because yes. they've had so many tremendous elite talents play the bulk of their prime mm-hmm. in Seattle. Obviously, Ken Griffey Jr. is the first one that comes to mind. Lest we forget seven or eight years of Alex Rodriguez, the entire career of Edgar Martinez, a decade of Randy Johnson, most of Ichiro's career, and certainly all of his superstar career. And mm-hmm. up until this spring, the entirety of Felix Hernandez, who, lest we forget, is only 34 I mean, yes. he's not he's not an old man, but, you know, he's had, what, seven, six or seven Cy Young caliber seasons and winning the Cy Young in Seattle. And all these players who have had superstar potential Hall of Fame careers in Seattle, and yet they remain the only franchise to never play in the World Series. They just can't quite seem to put it all together. 2001 was probably their best shot. And by the time they got to the American League Championship Series in the Yankees, they had just come off the division series against the Indians, which was very, very tough. And it's it's almost as if they didn't have all that much left in the tank and just did not play very well versus New York. And in 1995, which was their other good shot at it, they had to go to a game 145. It was a 144-game series season that year. They had ended in a tie, played California, and then had that division series against the Yankees where they just let it, they were drained by the time Cleveland rolled around and Cleveland won in six games. Those were the really only two legitimate shots at it. Well, look at, before we get into a little bit of Mariners history, because I want to bring up a couple of things soon. Mm -hmm. I do want to get back to this team this year. Uh, There's just two points I want to make. First of all, I felt they made a very smart decision by resigning Marco Gonzalez and extending him. Absolutely. Because he is an, an all-star caliber pitcher and someone who can write in, okay, we got a we got a solid pitcher and if who's young, we're gonna get his we're gonna get his prime. And and maybe the Justice Sheffields of the world, some of the other people can you know slip into the spot where they can hopefully improve there. But what would be a successful Mariner season in 2020 for you? I mean, barring a miracle World Series title, <laughs> which I don't think anyone thinks is going to happen with this squad, what would be a year where you would say, oh, man, we are certainly in the right direction right now? I, I don't think it's something you can quantify in a win-loss situation. I think that it's probably more like a year-long spring training for the young kids I am much more high on the bats that the Mariners have coming up than than the pitching. I have not been a Justice Sheffield fan. However, he's having a very good spring, and his control problems seem to be getting better. And if he can correct that, then I will absolutely jump on board. It looks like that has happened. Hopefully that can happen 
if the ERA and the whip and all the pitching numbers can improve this season over that they did last season and the pitching continues to develop and the hitting can continue to develop, the strikeouts can go down, the on-base percentage can go up, then I think that's the, then I think that's the successful 2020 to set up for the future. All right, let me bring a couple of things up here because mm-hmm. I have been talking about this with some other shows and I'm going to bring it up with you big time because uh, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Mariners. Mm-hmm. Always. And I think the first time I really, I mean, I always liked the Trident hats and everything and when Gaylord Perry won his 300th win and everything, but the years when they had the likes of Mark Langston and Alvin Davis and Harold Reynolds and Jim Presley and Phil Bradley, I really felt like, oh, they're on the verge of doing something really great. And I absolutely believe that if it seemed like every other year, Mark Langston would have a good year, but Mike Moore would stink. Then Mike Moore would have a great year, but Mark <laughs> Langston would have an off year. If they had coordinated their good years and the West was a winnable division, I think we could have seen that. But Griffey became my favorite player after I saw him play in the minor leagues and I followed his career like crazy. He became my favorite player in baseball, at least until Pedro Martinez took over the Red Sox. And I've, and I love the Northwest, um, you know, go Cougs, Washington state. I have a uh, master's of arts from Washington state. I, I love the, the Northwest. I am a little bit tired of the Red Sox uh, the management, and also I feel there are no more mountains to climb as a Red Sox fan. I've seen them win four World Series. Even if we have to vacate the 2018 title, that's still three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen defeating the Yankees in the postseason. I've seen some of my favorite players win. I've seen some of the greatest moments and biggest thrills that a Red Sox fan can ever imagine. And there's part of me is like, I may need a new team. <laughs> I may need a new challenge. I may need, because I'm never moving back east, do you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not. So I have thought long and hard about a couple of franchises, whether or not I now I talked with Javier at Lockdown Padres. He gave his pitch for why I should become a Padres fan. So now I have you on. All right. I want you. This is like the, the scene where Wolf of Wall Street said, sell me this, Ben. I want you to sell me this fandom. Should I become a Mariners fan? Wow. Ooh, that's that's a tough sell. Let's see if I can do it, Quinn. Um, like I said, there this season is not going to be good in terms of one loss percentage. I don't even think next year is gonna be good in terms of win loss percentage. Next year is the telltale sign to see if the bats are there, if the pitching really can put produce to major league talent and Get this team over the hump. I really think the key is the pitching. And you said it yourself, Marco Gonzalez, that's probably the best move that the Mariners made, extending him four more years. He is a very capable number one pitcher. They signed Taiwan Walker. If he is healthy, he will be a very nice number two pitcher. And Kendall Graveman. So the pit, the starting rotation, I don't think is as bad as people think it's going to be if the two and three guys, Graveman and Walker can be healthy. They have some exciting young players as well on the offensive side. I mentioned J.P. Crawford. 
Jared Kelnick is going to be a good hitting outfielder once he is major league ready. That's not going to be this season. Daniel Vogelbach has a potential to be a really good offensive player. Yes, he's going to strike out, but his on-base percentage is insane. He's got a good eye, and if he can correct the holes that he has in his swing and be a little bit more aggressive at the plate rather than work himself into tough counts, he could be a 250, 260 hitter while maintaining the big home run power that he has. Shed Long is going to be an exciting middle infielder to watch as a second baseman, and let's see here. That's, uh, and Evan White, the first baseman, he played last season in double A. The Mariners gave him a six-year major league contract. He looks like he's going to hit, and he may be a future Gold Glove Award winner, or at least that's what the buzz is around baseball. He has those kind of defensive skills. All right. Those, those are all good, but here's the thing. Yep. You're talking about the nuts and bolts, and I'm talking about something spiritual. Now, let me tell you, when, like, the Red Sox won in 04, the overwhelming happiness that happened in New England, but I also saw here in the San Francisco Bay Area the abject joy when the Giants finally won or the surprise when the Warriors became champions and, uh, you know, obviously what happened with the Cubs and everything like that. If the Mariners finally win the world series yes is this going to be a seismic regional event not just for the good folks sipping coffee by green lake but i'm talking about stretching to portland and spokane and coeur d'alene and vancouver and you know walla walla and all these places lewiston and clarkson all these beautiful places in the northwest would this be a tidal wave of happiness or would this be like, ah, that's neat. <laughs> you know, I wish I could give a concrete answer because I really don't know. When the Mariners were really, really good in 1995 and everybody all of a sudden started supporting the team, I was living in the Seattle area. And I, don't, and I was also 10 years old and I don't know what the, what the regional impact was. I like to think it was because the whole region is just so Seahawks crazy and has been ever since they were really good and won the Super Bowl. I like to think that that will also happen when the Mariners start becoming a good team again. I say when, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I do, because I'm going to be optimistic here. I certainly hope that that's the case, and I think it will be just because this is a pretty good sports area. I mean, I'm in Zags country right here in Spokane, and whenever they're good, the whole city is just is, is Zags. When the, when the Mariners start becoming a successful team again, I have to think that, yes, it'll be a regional thing, not just a citywide thing. Okay, well, I'm, I'm giving it some thought. I'm giving it some thought, but I'll tell you what I need, okay? Yep. What I need is I have a big head. I don't <laughs> mean in terms of my ego. I mean the physical head All right. sitting on my shoulders is a size uh, seven and seven-eighths or eight. The, the snapback caps don't fit my head even on the last rung, okay? That's the kind of melon Charlie Brown head that your pal Sully has. I need a Mariner's hat with the trident and the star. Mm -hmm. I can get the trident, just the trident. That's a cool hat. Yeah. But I've grown to love the trident and the star. Mm -hmm. And so... If anyone out there knows where I can get the trident and the hat 
don't send me a one-size-fits-all. That's one-size-fits-all but Sully. And let me know. Send it to me at Sully Baseball on Twitter where I can get this. And that may inch me closer to a Mariner fandom for your pal Sully. Well, hey, look at man, look at I it's really I hope we get some baseball this year. And who knows? I may be uh I may be catching a bunch of Mariner games because it might be fun to experience a first time championship and maybe it would make sense for me to latch on in a year where they're not gonna win. So no one could accuse me of being a bandwagon fan. <laughs> and so you can watch these kids grow and you can say, hey, I remember when, when this guy wasn't very good and now he's a star. I'm not, I, I don't know who that would be, but I hope it happens to at least one of them. And listen to me rattle off all the Jim Presleys and Alvin Davises of the world as I did earlier. It's like, oh, he knows his Mariners. Mm-hmm, yeah. He, he knows his Billy Swifts and his Mike Schoolers and his, uh, who are some of the other ones? Uh, I said Phil Bradley. And I mean, those teams that were almost good, like they Harold had so, Reynolds was on those Harold teams. Reynolds, yeah, yeah. Ray Quinones was the shortstop. And oh, they had so many players. And, and they had Jeffrey Hackman Leonard was the veteran the year that Ken Griffey Jr. broke in with the team. Correct. And there you go. Well, hey, look at DC. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll be talking real baseball and real playing baseball pretty soon. But where can people catch your show? Right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That is Locked On Mariners. The show has a Twitter address at LO underscore Mariners. And my Twitter address is DC underscore Lundberg. That is L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G for those scoring at home. And I'll tell you something, that you do a great thing every month, which is the Diamond Quiz. Yes. Which is basically like a a, a Jeopardy game. And you had me on. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I did well. And um, I, I... you know, if you listen to the show, I'm not going to spoil whether or not I won, but um, I did okay. And uh, I have to, I have to apologize. I got to say this out loud, okay? okay? Because I, when I was on the show, I wound up. I thought there was it's 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 kind of a a, a quiz show. And when I I made this apology to Taylor Blake Ward, who was also on the show that day, and that is, I thought there was a third round. And so when we got the end of the second round, oh. and there was this point where I said, he was saying, ah, it looks like you won. And I thought, like, oh, did I win? And I meant to say it like, oh, is that the end of the game? Is how I, but it made it sound like I was being, oh, was I winning? I didn't even notice I was answering all this. <laughs> And I, I, it's not, it's, I, it was a surprise because I thought there was going to be a final round. I see. Okay. And so that's why I was like, oh yeah, I, I was under the impression I was getting a bunch of answers in a row. Uh, the fact that I got Kosuke Fukudomi right is really something. Uh, I was proud of that one. But here's what I was going to do, and I'm going to tell you this right here and now. Okay. If there was going to be a final question, like a final Jeopardy question, uh huh, I was going to push all the chips in. I was going to go all in. Whatever my score was, it was 200-something that I had. I was going to say, how much are you going to bet? Everything. Bet everything. Like, I'll risk losing right now. And uh, then if I had won, obviously, it would have been this huge toll. But if I had lost, then one of the other guys, I would have had this run but lost the game. So I was I was prepared to do that. And then when you said, okay, that's the end of the game, I was. that's why I said that. I see. Okay. 
I wasn't trying to be, oh, I didn't even notice. You know, I real, when I listened back, I said, oh, man, I sound like an a-hole. And so I, I wanted to set the record straight. So there you That's go. That's right. I, 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 thought it, I thought it was funny. It, it got a laugh. So yeah. I know, but I was like, it was not an intentional <laughs> laugh. It was meant I, to be. I thought, I thought there was another part of the gig. So. That's okay. I, I got it. All right. All right. All right. Thank God, because that's been weighing on me ever since it happened. But right. uh, uh, Jeff Snyder did well on it, too, from Locked on Dodgers. So Yes, he did. Yeah, you know, so I actually think we got to have a tournament of champions here. You got to do another diving quiz, and you got to get the three of us to go at it, and then we get to see who reigns supreme. Because we got to do a bunch of things, especially if there's not a lot of baseball games that are going to be played in the next couple of weeks. I could do a whole week. I, I can't write that many questions for a week's worth of shows, but certainly, <laughs> yeah, you and Jeff Snyder and Taylor Blake Ward, who won the first one. Uh, we'll oh see yeah, if we okay. can't get, We'll see if we can't get something together. Yeah. Yeah, we have a little tournament of champions. Well, hey, look at. You can follow us on the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app and all the places we've mentioned at the front of the show and check out all the great shows of the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown Mariners. This has been Lockdown MLB for the 13th day of March, Friday the 13th. Man, let's not have any more bad luck this week. Let's not have any more bad karma this week. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs> <laughs>